Hello everybody out there, this is Shady Smith again from Wales Baptist Church. Uh, hope and pray that everybody's doing well. Uh, hope and pray that everybody is uh, doing all the safety precautions that we have been asked to do. Uh, during this uh, pandemic, uh, I want to thank Brother Nathan for coming out today and uh, helping, me, helping me with this. Appreciate all his hard work. I'm going to open this up with a word of prayer, then we're going to talk about the good news for a few moments. Father God, I thank you for all the many blessings. Father, I ask you to be with uh, everyone today, Father, that are facing trials and tribulations. God, I ask you to give strength where strength is needed. God, I ask you to give comfort where comfort is needed. God, I ask you to give us wisdom where wisdom is needed, Father. Father, I thank you for everything that you do for us, Father, on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute basis, God. God, I ask you to be with those that are sick today, Father. Watch over them. Father, I ask you to be with the caregivers. Give them strength, Father. Father, I ask you to be with uh, my church family, God. Put a hedge of protection around them. Father, I ask you to be with my family, my extended family, God. God, I ask you to forgive us we fail. So I pray. Amen. <clears throat> today I'm going to talk just, and there goes them hands right up to the face again, as Nick said the other day. It's a habit it's hard to break. Uh, today I want to talk to you just a few minutes on good news. Just going to start off with, with this. Just a lot of times we go to church and we hear so-called news that uh, we really can't use. Even with all the things that's being taught and preached, there's still that so-called news that is sometimes spread for all the wrong reasons. However, let's talk about the good news of the resurrection of Christ. Let us also keep in mind two questions today. Let's keep in mind what does it mean and why does it matter? The resurrection of Christ is a fact historically proven. It was not done in secret. The whole city of Jerusalem knew about it and eventually the whole Roman Empire knew and just think for a moment in our present day how it spread. It was good news then, and it's good news also today. After his resurrection, he was seen meeting and talking and touching many people. Matthew 28, verse 9 tells us, Jesus meets Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Matthew 28, 17 tells us, Jesus meets the 11 disciples in Galilee. John 21, verses 1 through 13, Jesus meets the seven disciples again. He has breakfast ready for them. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, 5 through 8, Christ appears to Cephas. He appears to the disciples again. He appears to James and Paul. So therefore, you see, after the resurrection, a lot of people saw him. Let's look at a moment about what does this mean. Let's look at three different things. Jesus is who he claimed to be. Jesus has the power he claimed to have. Jesus does what he promised he would do. And that is what this means. John 11, verse 25 tells us, says, Jesus tells Martha that I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
John 14, verse 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are just two of the many verses that prove Jesus is who He claimed to be. In John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, Jesus goes into the temple and clears out the money changers. They were there. They had turned the temple into somewhat of a huge yard sale or flea market. The Jews asked him, who gives you the authority or the right to do this? Jesus shows he has the power he claimed to have by saying all power on earth and in heaven is given to me. Because he was God, he could do everything God could do. In John 10, verse 18, he says, Nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. No force could keep him in the tomb. The Romans killed him. They put him in a tomb. They put a big stone in front of the tomb. They sealed it with a Roman seal, and they posted a 24-hour guard. They were only trying to prevent the inevitable. He had all the power in the world, he said. They can't stop me. I can give my life, and I can take it up again. Jesus does what he promises he'll do. Mark 10, verse 34 says, They will mock and flog, flog and kill me after three days, and I will come back to life. The cross was no surprise to Jesus. It was all part of God's plan. How would you feel if you'd been the guys who put Jesus to death? You publicly executed this man in front of thousands of witnesses who had seen him die. Then you have him buried, a stone put over, sealed, and a 24-hour guard. Three days later, this guy's up and walking about all around the city again. What would you say if you met him on the road? The angel said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He come back to life just as he said he would. He did what he promised. When uh, God makes a promise, you can count on it. That's what it means. Because Jesus did rise. He is who he said he was. He has the power he said he had. And he kept the promises that he made. I want us to look back at another question. Why does the resurrection matter? What difference does it make? We're talking about news you can use. So what if Jesus is who he said he was? What does that mean to you and me? It means three things. Because Jesus is who he claimed to be and because he has the power he claimed to have and because Jesus does what he promises to do. Point number one, our past can be, can be forgiven. And that's good news. Have you ever been halfway through a project and wish you could start over? An example of that would be painting your house. You get into it and you realize this is not going the way I want it and you want to start all over. 
but maybe it's too late. <clears throat> a lot of times, I think people feel that way about life. They have, uh, they uh, get halfway through life and just wish they could start over. We all have things we wish uh, we hadn't done and said, and we wish we hadn't did those things, those things we wish we hadn't thought. We all re have regrets. We all feel bad about things, and we all have guilt. Do you know someone who uh, can't get on with the past and the future because they're stuck in the past? No, excuse me. Do you know someone who can't get on with the present and the future because they're struck and stuck in the past? Some guilt and regret or something has tied them down. Sometimes it's a former relationship and they're letting it mess up their current relationship. And that's not too smart. They say, I guess I'll just have to live with this the rest of my life. And they're running around with this baggage, a bunch of emotional garbage, trying to live life. And they're wondering why they're not happy. Colossians 3.14 is the good news. He has forgiven all our sins and concealed every record of the debt we owed. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. This is God's pardon program. He, sailed, he says He nailed it all to the cross. Jesus paid our guilt for our guilt. That means we don't have to pay for it. He was hung up for our sins. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross so we can quit nailing ourselves to the cross. He wants to forgive our past. He says He wants to cancel every record of all debts that we owe. Emotional debts, relationship debts, and etc. He wants to cancel them. How long do you remember a, a bill that's been paid, a household bill? I don't remember them at all once they're paid. <clears throat> I forget about them. I think the point he's saying is this. Once, God, once God's forgiven it, we should forget it. That's also good news. Just knowing that we are free from all those things we've done wrong, that's good news. Because Jesus is who He said He was, our past can be forgiven. We don't have to go on carrying a load of guilt around. Now it's all unnecessary. There's no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ. Those of us who are baby boomers, yeah, baby boomers, Remember when you were growing up, you had an etch sketch? If you messed a picture up, you just flipped it over, you would shake it, turn it back over, and it would be a clean slate again. This is God's etch sketch. He says, I want to wipe it clean. Knowing Christ is knowing that every single thing you've ever done wrong up until this point is completely forgiven. That's also good news. 
That means we can, with no condemnation, be one of Christ. <clears throat> he said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. He wants to change us. He wants to help us. He wants to give us a new beginning. And He wants to give us a clear conscience. That's news that we all can use. My present, my present problems can be managed. Oftentimes, life is unmanageable. Ephesians 1.20 says, How increasingly good is His power to help those who believe Him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that enabled you, uh, Jesus to rise from death will help us rise above our problems. The same power that God uses at resurrection time some 2,000 years ago can be used in our life right now. You don't know what the future holds. I don't know either. I don't know what's going to happen next year, next month, next week. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't even know what's going to happen the next moment. But that doesn't really matter. Because even though it's out of our control, it's not out of God's. He will give us the power to face it. Why does the resurrection matter? Because our past can be forgiven. Because my present can be managed and our future can be secure. One of the universal problems we all have is death. Everybody dies. I'm going to die someday, and so are you. Only a foolish person would go all through life unprepared for something he knows that's actually going to happen. Sometimes we get so busy in the here and now we don't stop and think about what's going to come. Everybody has a deep internal longing to know what's going to happen, I think. What's going to happen after I die? It's obvious we're going to spend more time on this side of eternity than on the other side. Here we may spend 60, 70, maybe 80 years or more this is just the first inch on the yardstick. This is kind of a preschool for what's going to happen in eternity. The fact is, there are a lot of misconceptions about heaven. Most of them come from, <laughs> let's face it, bad movies. The movies can be good, but the theology is not always correct. They are cute with little ideas of what they think heaven is going to be like. But what is it really going to be like? When you go to the Bible, what God says it's really going to be like in heaven and in hell is what it's going to be like. One day, we're going to stand before God and we're going to need to know the right answers. Here's what the Bible says about the future, about heaven and hell. Heaven is a perfect place. Total love, total peace, joy, total perfection. There's no sin. There's no mistakes. There's no evil. There's no bad. There's no error. 
There's no sickness. There's no death. It's perfect in every way. It's going to be a perfect place. In order for you to go there, you have to be a, a perfect because only perfect can get into heaven. And, that, and, if that's be the, and if that be the case, then we're all left out of heaven. We'd never make it if we had to be perfect because none of us are perfect. We're all messed up. The Bible tells us none is, none is perfect. No, not one. When we trust Jesus Christ, we, under, we establish a relationship with Him when He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was the only perfect person who ever lived because He was God. He came so we could know what God is like by trusting and establishing a relationship with Him, you get on His goodness. When we get to heaven, we might say, God, I couldn't get here on my own effort. The only way I can, could get into heaven is I'd have to be a friend to Jesus. John 17, 3 says, This is the way to have eternal life, by knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one who sent to earth, the one that he sent to earth. The Bible says that Jesus has already paid for our way to heaven. This is good news that we all can use. The Christian is not somebody who accepts a religion. A Christian is somebody who has a personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship, a true relationship. A lot of people try different ways to get into heaven. Here's just a few of them. Some try salvation by sincerity. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Just think that one through. You can be sincerely wrong. An airplane pilot who is sincerely flew into a, into a mountain, he thought it was lower. He sincerely killed himself. <clears throat> there, there are some people who think you can get in heaven by service. I do all these things and I work my way there. That doesn't work either. Some people try salvation by subtraction. You give up a bunch of things and then you get into heaven. Well, if being a Christian was a matter of not doing things, then anybody who's dead qualifies as a Christian because they're not doing anything. Then there are people who think they'll get into heaven by a ritual. I was baptized. Well, you can be baptized under the creek in the creek until every fish knows you by your first name. Maybe you'll join a church and think that will make you a Christian. Sitting in a church will make you a Christian about as much as sitting in a chicken house will make you a chicken. You can say you joined the church. If you joined the Lions Club, does that make you a lion? You say you were born in the church. If you were born in the car, does that mean you make a spare tire? Come on, folks. Use our minds. How about salvation by heritage? 
My mother was a Christian. My grandmother, grandfather was Christian, and so on. You have to make a personal decision yourself. That's like saying, I know you're married because your mother was married and your daughter and your great-grandmother. No, you got to make a personal decision. My favorite of all is salvation by compromise. I'm better than so-and-so. You probably, you're probably better than me. I don't doubt that, but God isn't judging you according to me or anybody else. Christ said, Christ said, this is the way to eternal life. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, We have been born again into a life full of hope through Christ rising from the dead. Hope means you have done Hope means you don't have anything to fear. You don't fear death anymore. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. You can't really live unless you're not afraid to die. You can't, you can um, not be afraid to die by making peace with God today. What is your source of hope? Hope means confidence in something. Would you like to have uh, every sin, everything you've ever done wrong, completely forgiven? Would you like to have a clear conscience? Would you like to have a, a power that would help you manage any problem that you may be facing? Would you like to have your future really secured? Understanding why Christ rose from the dead and what a difference it made is not enough. You've got to do something about it. You've got to take some action steps. Understanding what I've just talked about is not enough to get us into heaven. <clears throat> you've got to accept it, and you've got to act on it. You pray and say, God, God, I know that I'll never earn my way into heaven. I know I'll never be good enough. I've already blown it time after time after time, and I need your help. I'm asking for you to work in my life. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I'm giving my all to you. I think this is what God wanted me to say to you today. You matter to me. You matter to God. I understand some of the things you're going through. I don't understand other things but you matter to me. And I want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. What about somebody that's drifted away? Isaiah 54, 7 says, With deep love, I will welcome you back. Nobody will ever love you as much as Jesus Christ does. Christ died for us to prove how much He loves us. We're all at different levels in our spiritual journey. Some of us aren't even sure that we're going to heaven when we die. We need to make sure today. Some of us may even need to recommit our life to the Lord. Others of you maybe have drifted away from Christ God wants to say to you, 
with deep love, I will draw you back. Think about it today. Would you say, Jesus Christ, I'm coming home today. I want to get it. I want to get it in gear. And I want to quit playing around. And I want to put you first in my life. Some of us are barely, just barely hanging on. And we've been discouraged, or we are discouraged. We may be uh, depressed. We may be under a lot of pressure. Some may have a lot of stress in our life that builds up from day to day, week to week. When we feel overwhelmed, we, if we just listen to God, He's saying to us, give it all to me, let go, and let me work in your life. Folks, that's what I have to say to you today. It's my prayer that if you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, the day will be the day that you accept the good news. If you've fallen away, it's my prayer today that you will ask God to renew that joy that you had at one time with Him. I hope everybody has a blessed rest of the week. Please keep being safe and doing uh the safety things that our leaders and uh, people in power are asking us to do. Again, I want to thank Brother Nathan for coming and helping with this this afternoon. I'm going to close us with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for another day of life. God, I thank you uh, for everything you've done for us. God, again, I ask you to keep us safe. I ask you to keep us um, wrapped in your arms, Father. Father, uh, today, if uh, someone is watching this or listening to it, Father, if they know you're not in a free pardon sin, God, I ask you to send your spirit upon them, Father, and, and burden their hearts that they'll not rest, be able to rest until they come to know you. Father, I ask you now for comfort. I ask you for wisdom. I ask you for guidance. I ask you to forgive us where we fail. In the name pray. Amen.